This is the Matters of Influence podcast, creating awareness and alignment today to become your best self tomorrow. With your hosts, Debbie Frapp and Terry Foster Nowland. Hello, everybody. Debbie Frapp here, and I'm bringing you a special edition of our Matters of Influence. And Terry had the opportunity to interview Linda McKissick um, on a topic around wealth building. So we're titling this Wealth Building Matters. And what I really, the, the beauty of this interview was when we looked at this idea of when was enough enough? When was enough money enough? When was enough wealth enough? And Linda said it beautifully, when your, your wealth should match up to your purpose. So I uh, want you to listen to this. I hope you enjoy this interview and ask yourself the question, are your wealth and your purpose, are they matching up? Enjoy. We'll see you next time. Okay, so good morning, everyone. Welcome to our little Friday morning wealth building chat with Linda McKissick. I'm just honored. First of all, I'm honored to have her on here. And I've got so many of you that are exploring, um, you know, wealth and wealth building. And I think if you're with Keller Williams, I, I think that we disguise wealth building a lot of times as profit share. And even though this will not be all about profit share, you are sitting on a Zoom with um, <laughs> Keller Williams' top profit share earner. I should include Jimmy in that, shouldn't I, Linda? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So here is Linda McKissick. And, you know, Linda and I go back to 1996 when we sat in a very small room in franchise training with Gary Keller. And one of the things that week that Mo Anderson had us do, Linda, I don't know if you remember this or not, but one of the things that Gary, I mean, Mo had us do was go home tonight and write your story. And we had to come back the next day with our story. And this last family reunion was we talked a lot about stories. Gary put a lot of people on stage and had them tell their stories. And uh, it all just didn't happen overnight, did it, Linda? Right. So um, I'm excited that Linda has honored us of being here this morning, and I'm going to keep letting people in. But I put the question in the chat, what is funding your future? So I'd love for you all to participate by writing that down so that you can think about that as Linda talked. And Linda, just gonna give them a quick CNN version of how, where you were and how you got in real estate and then how you connected with Keller Williams so that there's a lot of people that may not know where you came from. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, I actually got into real estate because my husband at the time, Jimmy still, who's my husband now, <laughs> Uh, we were not that long married, but uh, he had, you know, he was actually the only first entrepreneur I'd ever met. I, I didn't know, you know, people could make money from different ways. And he was just, it was so exciting. We'd count change from his vending company in the morning and we'd work his bar at the night because he was in the restaurant and nightclub business. And and then all of a sudden, uh, you, Terry, you probably remember this because you were in Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Texas, and Arkansas got hit really hard with an economic downturn. And I always like to say I was in my middle 20s and I didn't even know what the word economy meant, much less is it a good one or a bad one? I was really clueless. However, I knew something was wrong because all of a sudden Jimmy started really not wanting to sleep at night. Um, I always like to say his crown royal tastes better to him at that time of life. And uh, he just didn't want to go to sleep because he said, if I go to sleep, it gets morning fast and bankers call you. And what he would eventually uh, you know, let me in on was that we actually sold a business we had just opened a couple of years before in Dallas for $600,000 less than we 
owed against it just to get out from under it. And um, so literally overnight, we went from me thinking everything was fine uh, to uh, we got to sell our cars and get different cars and ugly cars and cheaper cars. And, you know, we just really were in a big, like Gary says, we were in a 10 foot hole trying to jump six feet high to get out and it wasn't working. So, um, you know, I think the blessing in that was I was so naive to what even how much money that was. I'd never made more than minimum wage. I didn't go to college. Uh, I had, I was going to college at the time to try to figure out who I was, but nobody in my family had gone to college. Nobody in my family had owned a home. Um, I just really was clueless about all of it, to be honest with you. And he said, I said, you know, I'm a hard worker, Jimmy, and I'm happy to help you. But what in the world can I do to help you in this kind of situation? And it was him that actually said a mentor of his told him a long time ago, if you want to make a lot of money, real estate. And now I've since learned that that guy was actually a developer and builder out of Dallas. So I think he was telling Jimmy to buy some real estate someday, not get a wife and have her sell houses so you could be rich. But that's the message that he he retained and I'm really thankful. I'm thankful because real estate honestly is a great cash flow business. It's just not a wealth vehicle. Mm -hmm. There you go. Now, so let's talk about wealth then. You led me right into that first question I sent you. So what does wealth mean to Linda McKissick? You know, um, at the time it meant to try to never be in this situation again. You know, once you go through that kind of pain, um, and, you know, I always like to say it was never a marriage enriching time. You know, Jimmy and I, we didn't come home and say, Hey dear, how was your day? We, we fought about money all the time. And, uh, you know, what are you going to do? I'm working my buns off. What are you going to do? And so it just was not a great time. And so in the beginning, Terry, it was honestly just a way to never be in that situation again. But what I've learned over the journey is it's freedom, it's options and it's significance. Uh, because with freedom, it freed up my time, it's freed up my money, it's freed up my relationships, it's enhanced the opportunity for relationships. Uh, it's given me way more options than I could have ever had if I hadn't focused on building wealth. And then the significance comes when you can write a check for your sister-in-law's house when she's in her 70s about to lose it and let them have a life estate and they can live there until they pass away, her and her husband that's significance to me. That's uh, nobody prepares you for how good that can feel when you can just write that check and not even blink an eye. So I think it's those three things, freedom, options, and significance. Love if you that. do it correctly, if you use it correctly. There you go. And, and um, I got chills when you said that about significance, because the day you get to do something like that, and remember it doesn't happen overnight. The day you get to do mm -hmm. something like that, you realize why you got up and did what you did every day. Right. Yeah. So um, how did you determine um, what you wanted wealth to look like and when? I mean, this whole when thing is important because like I've shared with so many people that I coach, I waited till I was 46 to really go, man, I got to do something. So what what did you determine wealth would look like for you? Let's start there. You know, I would, uh, you know, I'd love to say, oh, I had this grandiose big old plan and idea, but honestly, again, it happened when, when we had the pain of going through that debt, we woke up and just started searching for answers. And at that time, by the time we start to build wealth, Jimmy was 40 years old. He's nine years older than me. So he was 40. And um, we said, well, let's use your age and let's kind of come up with a plan. And our first plan was, you know, hey, let's just get 250,000 coming in passively 
and we worked the numbers back and said, okay, that'll be 20 properties. Let's give ourselves five years to, to get those properties and another 15 to get them paid off. And, you know, that should be good. Um, and so I'd like to say, you know, oh yeah, I envisioned a, a beautiful house on the beach in San Diego, this great house in Texas, a jet plane, all those things, but I didn't. I just did what was the next natural thing, which was learn about wealth building because I knew nothing about wealth building. Uh, and then as I begin to learn, I begin, and I think getting around other people who are doing it and showing you what a lifestyle could look like or what, you know, I think you're going to relate and go, man, I want to take my family on those kind of trips, man. I want the convenience of going to get on a plane when I want to go somewhere and not have to go through all this other stuff or be told I can't go somewhere because COVID's here or something. I mean, I don't think you, I didn't at least know all that stuff in the very beginning. I think as I accomplished a little bit more and I started looking to see what other people had done and then I began to get bigger and bigger ideas. I'm so glad you're saying that, quite frankly, because uh, when you just said, what's the next natural thing? I wrote that down because I think that everybody goes, I'm going to net a million. And then we run on that phrase. And then we start comparing ourselves to what we're not doing that other people are doing. And we don't know their journey. Mm -mm. We don't know that we started coming home every day fighting about money, which mm -hmm. all of us did that, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. I think we all did that. Thank you for sharing that, Linda. Um, we're going to open this up for questions. So if you guys do have questions or things you want to ask Linda, you can, you can put those in the chat and then we're going to get to them or we're going to do that at the end. Um, was there a pivotal point for you and Jimmy where you went, wow, this is going to work. Our plans for getting $250,000 passive income, this could work. This could be bigger. Do you remember a time in your life when that happened? No, I don't think because I think most entrepreneurs live in the gap. We don't think about what we've done. We think about what we still need to do. So I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever thought, oh, I've arrived. No. You know, I worry less now, but I think I've always been the shoe could the other shoe could always drop. And I've also also been one of those that always I know gradually and suddenly has happened because I've had them happen to me in my life. And so I'm always kind of looking and thinking what could be that suddenly that I'm not prepared for. And so I don't think I've ever thought, oh, I've arrived because I really have now realized that who I'm becoming in the journey is as valuable as the money and the freedom that I'm getting from it because I'm becoming someone different because I am taking those, making those commitments that are scary. And I am, you know, doing whatever the next likely thing is. Uh, and so now I'm starting to really connect it to that's why we've blown past the 250 so much, because at some point along the way, it just shifted and it became about the journey, not necessarily, oh, well, let's raise the 250 to 500. We never once wrote another piece of paper and said, okay, now I want a million or two. I, we never did that. I think the, the most important plan is the first one you ever build, because it puts you in action to, to do the activities after that. I now I just love and enjoy the activities. And so I always believe if you bring enough value to the world, you can't keep the money away. So just how can I change people and tie it into something that's wealth building? So I'll share it. I'll be very transparent with everybody on here. And I don't know all of you, but Linda and I were on a call. I think it was last year. We were on a coaching call together. And I think I said these words to her. <laughs> when is it enough? Mm -hmm. Oh, Yes. <laughs> And I all look at her. She remembers. I thought, man, Terry, bad question for Linda McKissick because of what she just said. You don't look at things as when is it enough? Or geez, Linda, you don't need to work anymore, right? 
uh, because of what she just said, which leads into something I wrote down for her to tell us about, about her purpose. Um, Linda says things to me like, Terry, I think I'm bored. And I'm like, what? Like in my head, I'm like, Linda's bored. Uh, I might be bored or she's always looking for the next thing. And I don't ever question that anymore because of what she just said. She wants people that are like on this Zoom right now. She wants you to have fulfillment in your life. And that's her purpose is the money will always show up because of her purpose. Mm -hmm. So um, when did you really nail down that purpose? I remember exactly the day I just got chill bumps thinking about the moment um, because I think this is something we struggle with always. I can remember all the questions around what's your mission, what's your purpose. And it was so difficult. I don't know if anybody else is like that, but it was the most difficult thing. And I realized later that I don't think you decide your purpose. At least I didn't up front. your journey unravels and reveals your purpose. So I remember exactly where I was. I was in Franklin, Tennessee. I was sitting in a very small mastermind group with a guy named Michael Hyatt, who wrote some amazing books. And um, I had paid, I had donated money to a cause. And if you donated, and my daughter was going through some really difficult times with her husband passing away and her and I, these are the kind of things we like to go do together. So I asked him if I doubled my donation, could I bring my daughter? And so they said, yeah. So it was like, I mean, maybe eight of us in this room uh, and maybe less even, and you got to sit on the hot seat and you got to talk about what you do. And of course, I'm sure they were listening for moments that you could feel the energy and excitement. And it was actually Michael Hyatt's daughter that nailed it. She, we, we were working on how do you figure out, you know, what your thing is. And, and she said, she's put some words together and I went, oh my God, that is it. And so, so you can kind of figure the formula like this. I help blank. So for me, it's, I help uh, successful, but overworked real estate entrepreneurs do have or understand. And so in my case, it's leverage and passive income so they can get blank and I put freedom and margin for what matters most to them. So everything I do, if I do that, I don't get tired. I don't get bored. I don't get, um, you know, loss of energy. I get energized. I could do it all day long. I don't worry if I've had lunch. And Dana knows me well enough to know that if I'm not thinking about food, I'm really liking it. <laughs> you know, so, so. I mean, it was just that magical moment and I knew it to my core when we put those words together, that's what I love doing. And as long as if I get off of that, which by the way, probably is the moments I'm telling you I'm bored, <laughs> I'm not yeah. doing enough of that. Cause I think we actually said that right afterwards. I'm actually not putting in my schedule enough of that. And so therefore I'm doing crap. That's boring the crap out of me, you know? be honest Linda gets bored <laughs> I love it you, you, you know, like you like you could spend hours with her we have been on here 18 minutes and how many of you all have written down line after line after line of notes right <laughs> right it's valuable so Linda this is fulfilling your purpose um so I what I want Linda to talk about is yes uh Linda was the smart one of many of us that 
pursued profit share and she pursued profit share by networking. Linda is a networker and she has built massive, massive profit share. So guys, profit share is real. It's the thing in our company that I believe we ignore. I'm going to raise my hand just like everybody else, because it's not that we forget, it's that we just don't put it in our calendars and do. Okay. Mm -hmm. So number one, profit share. So give them a nugget. Um, and you've got a profit share mastery class that you teach. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that everybody understands that Linda has profit share mastery. Uh, tell them a little bit about that. Well, um, you know, I just don't understand why everybody in the company isn't setting goals and going after profit share because it's such, I mean, our attorney, our tax attorney, our banker, our CPA, people that are smart about money are freaking blown away that we have this opportunity. They just, I mean, in the very beginning, they were like, what is this again? And then, you know, cause it just kept growing and growing. And so, you know, press and I got together cause press, my son went to work for me after he graduated from Baylor. And after he did a small intern in Austin and he sat next to me and he said, mom, I realized that you actually do the same things over and over when you, when you recruit. And so we came up with a formula that we use that I always use for recruiting people that I love being a hero to people that I could get energy from all day long by helping, which ties back into that purpose. And then we realized that him and his little friend, Nick, we're following uh, Aaron Kaufman and Brent Mitchell's program and they had taken it and tweaked it even. And now they've even gone to the extent that they actually make the websites for you with the follow-up in it. And we've already got results. We just launched it a couple of weeks ago and we've already got people saying, oh my God, I'm already getting recruits. So we decided that we were going to try to figure out how to take out all the limitations that people have around building their profit share and also, you know, give them the the exact how to, because I say we spent a lot of years saying, here's what not to do, but we never bothered to say, here's exactly how you do do it. So we created the little, about a four hour online course that people can watch at their own pace. And then they jump on a monthly call with us. But really, honestly, I think we get confused and I always ask everybody and I'll ask all of you, I'd like for you to write down real quick, one place your life has been enriched or changed from someone introducing you to Keller Williams. And every time I do this, there's these amazing things that come up like culture. I think better, I think bigger. My families, you know, can do more because we, we, you know, we have training to help us make more money out of our, I mean, every, you just name it and all the things come up. And then my next question is everybody is, well, if your life was enriched and your life was changed, who are we to decide that that's enough lives changed? Why did we decide, okay, well, we're all we're all good. Why is that enough? Right. And I think when we change people's view of you, you're not good enough to make a, a seller sell a buyer, buyer, an agent join. So let's just stop thinking about that. What we really are is able to get people to a place where they self-discover that whatever their value gaps are in this, at this point in their life can be better served at Keller Williams. Then they, we don't have to recruit them. They'll, they'll basically join themselves right and so when we kind of change our whole belief around it work around a few limiting beliefs um, and understand that we can do it in the same 24 hours that we're building our real estate business it doesn't have to be either I got to work on my sales or I got to work on profit share then I think people will begin to have more results um, and I'm super passionate about it because it's one of those things that uh, it's it's an abundance thing there's the more we all do it the more we'll have more profit share for everybody to to benefit from. You know, and I think, Linda, too, you just said something that, and I would love for her to put your answers in the chat, because Whitney 
stuck hers in there. So I love that. Thank you, Whitney. Um, I think that we we forget that how the profit share system really works. I don't want to spend the rest of the call on that. However, the more profit we all create, the more profit you get back. And quite frankly, your owners of your market center are sharing almost half mm -hmm. of the profit that would have gone in their pocket mm -hmm. with you guys. Mm -hmm. Believe me, when you're an owner and you look at that money, you're like, wow. And, and when I was sitting at an award ceremony this past week, I was like, they're getting an award for four people. I thought Linda McKissick would fall out of her chair right now. So um, anyway, um, love for you to put that stuff in there. And Dana, just put the link. Thank you, to Dana. Profit, thank you, Dana, to the Profit Share Mastery um, series in there. And man, the website, that's, I'm going to be connecting with press on that. Yeah, everybody should get somebody in their downline that does that. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you have somebody in your downline? And, and I wouldn't stop. I told press, why are we stopping with one person? Why don't we do two or three people, two or three Nicks? Because a lot of times, Terry, people look at what I make, you know, almost a million and a half every year and what Jimmy and I make. And they think, oh, well, that's just impossible. But then you've got little Nick who's only been doing it for three and a half years and only working new, which has a huge fallout rate. And he made uh, almost 50,000 last year. And he is he is the tortoise that's going to win. Because that's all he does is focus on profit share and investing in real estate. He doesn't like the real estate sales part. And he's only in his early 30s. So, um, so we, we, you know, I think we need to hear both sides of the coin because a lot of people let hold him back that it's too late or I could never do, you know, all that. Well, you could do what Nick could do. And what would an extra 50000 a $100,000, $200,000 do for you and your family that's truly passive? Mm. Okay. Um, now, Linda, just really quick before I open it up for questions, people are putting things in the chat. What are some other areas of wealth you would tell people to go explore? I mean, profit share is a biggie, of course, and it's a no-brainer. <clears throat> what would you tell people to explore other than the real estate sales and because real estate funds your future, right? I mean, it really is like you said in the beginning. So what else would you tell them to look at? Okay, well, the what helped me in the very beginning was when I realized that there's actually only three categories of, of wealth and passive income, there's real estate investing, which by the way, we should all be doing because it's what we do on a daily basis. So that's definitely one. Uh, and in that category, we have single family homes and we have 34 vacation rentals. And then the, the second one is, um, is businesses. And I put profit share in my business category because I treat it like a standalone yeah. business. And then also your real estate sales. You know, my sales was ran for 20 years. Uh, I got it to about 200 transactions a year. My brother-in-law took it from there and ran it while I did other things and Jimmy did other things. And uh, that made us a passive stream of income. And then about five years ago, we began to sell that business to him for over 1.1 million. So that becomes a passive stream of income if you work your database and you treat it correctly. And then um, one that I love that I'm really working on right now is, is uh, training, you know, mm -hmm. taking your knowledge. And I love knowledge. I love other people to share their knowledge with me. I'm on YouTube all the time. I know Dana's the same way, Terry, you're the same way. I love when people, I don't care. I mean, it could be as simple as I got a new refrigerator that's glass on the front. I have Googled and looked at YouTube and Pinterest on how do you organize that thing so I can get all the bins so my sister can organize it because I stink at that kind of stuff, but she's great. But I like getting the ideas and then her being the implementer. So, I mean, you know, I, since I love that, 
then I got to think, okay, well, what do I know that other people would benefit from? And how can I set that up in such a way that it may not be a hundred percent passive, like, uh, like profit share is, but it's semi-passive and I'm enjoying doing it. So we've put a listing, uh, listing agent masterclass together. We put profit share mastery together. We're working on our wealth building. Uh, Jimmy and I've got about seven episodes in on our podcast for financial freedom. And I, I, you know, I'm just, what do I love doing and what gives me energy? I just don't think, I think it's, you know, we have books that bring us in a little bit of passive income. You know, when I really think about it, there's just, you know, commercial investments could bring you in some, and there's so many options, but you got to learn to tap into what do you love and enjoy and you love learning about, and then how do you now take that and, and help other people and then make it, you know, passive or semi-passive. And I, I don't have your links to your listing mastery class. Yeah, I, I know either. you and Jimmy are getting ready to start. I should. I know you and Jimmy are getting ready to start your wealth building mastery. What are you going to call that? Uh, actually, we're calling it Everything Life and Financial Freedom because uh, Dana and I have a podcast called Everything Life and Real Estate. And a lot of people okay. think that's about investing. And we do do a little bit of that on there. But to be honest with you, I didn't want to use the word wealth building because I feel like it's old and tired. And really what I want yeah. to talk about is more about how does, how does it affect your life and how do, how do you get financial freedom? Because I think freedom is what we're all really ultimately after. And I wanted to bring, be able to bring in a bunch of different topics. Uh, and I, uh, I think our investment course that we're doing first is called Rental Property Secrets. I think Press created all this. I got a great team around me. I, I only do the part that I can do halfway decent. And then the other one we're going to do after that is a vacation rental one. Uh, and we'll probably do it the same way we're doing the Profit Share Mastery. We'll have an online course people take, and then they jump on our monthly calls because we actually love and enjoy those monthly calls. That's real where a lot of benefit comes from. They help each other. We get to find out what they're struggling with. We, we, I'm really enjoying that a lot more than I realized we would. For those of you that are on here, if you want to throw your email address in the chat, then I can pull those out later and we can send you, I'll get, I'll get all those links from Linda's people and yeah. uh, send those to you. Cause yeah, uh, I know. one of these days I'm going to be better prepared and have all that man, stuff ready, but I just, you don't have to be somebody else can. So, okay. Open it up real quick. Take yourself off mute. You have the ability to do that. If you want to ask Linda a question or stick it in the chat so we can answer those questions for you. I see everybody's putting their, email address in there. Somebody said, can we get you in for market center rental property secrets? Um, can we get, can, can we get you in for rental property secrets? I guess I get you in the market center. Are you out for hire, Linda? Oh, <laughs> you know, um, I just did thing for Mo. Uh, of course, you know, Mo has, she's going to come to Columbus on July 27th for me. So we kind of traded um, and because, you know, uh, anytime I can get Mo and we can, yep. you know, just, oh my gosh, share her wisdom. So I did just do something for her. Uh, my preference is not to, to have to travel as to places. If I can keep from it, I'd rather do it on zoom. And I'm certainly happy to do that. Um, so we can, we can talk about maybe doing that something for your market center on zoom. That sounds great, Linda. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I so Linda, have I've got a question for you. Um, you mentioned yeah. um, in wealth and passive income from business. We've talked a lot about real estate. Have you invested in other businesses outside of real estate for that passive income at all? 
Uh, we've tried restaurants a couple more times and thank God, I hope we got that out of our system <laughs> because I truly believe, uh, Mark, that's a really good question, but I believe uh, not that I would be opposed to it. If I, like we've been presented with someone to do a, a breakfast place. He used to be one of our agents and he quit selling real estate and then he became our partner in apartments and we sold those apartments. And he's come to us a couple of times and tried to get us to invest in his breakfast place. But, you know, I, I'm not saying we wouldn't do that, but I believe the people who do the best, and this is hard because I, I'm a multi-purpose entrepreneur. I like new shiny objects, but I found that like people like Gary Keller and other people like that, that I really admire, they go deep. They don't go real wide unless yeah. they have a who. And most of it's like with Gary's all real estate related. So I'm going to try to stay in the real estate world if at all possible. Um, and so we haven't done a lot of that. And where we have, we haven't like restaurants again, we didn't do that great. And we just finally said, okay, that's enough money thrown at that. Let's don't do that anymore. Jimmy got that out of his system and I'm real thankful. <laughs> Good question. Any other questions? You guys are being quiet. I'm making sure there's none in the screen over there. Well, I'll go again if that's okay. Uh, Linda, how do you analyze a property for for buying and purchasing? I, I mean, you've got all these deals. I mean, you're in multiple states all the time. So how do you narrow down? Hey, this is a great investment. Uh, well, we're only in one. We're only in Texas. We did sell our ones in two in Florida that we had that were that were long term rentals. So the only place we're out of state is Branson, Missouri, for vacation rentals. So on our single family, it's real simple, um, and we wrote it. It's all in our whole book. If you got a yellow one around the office, but it's real simple. Uh, if we can scratch it out on a piece of paper, then and it works, we do it. So our formula, especially in the early days, was we never wanted to be more than seventy to thirty loan to value ratio because everybody in Texas that lost everything they had were, was over leveraged. Yeah. And to be honest with you, the same thing happened in 08. Again, California people came here, they got properties and they had negative amortizations and they thought that would be okay. And it went the wrong direction. So they weren't. So if you are speculating on something that isn't there the day you bought it, buy it, you're a speculator, not an investor. So 70, 30 loan to value ratio had to cash flow between 150 and $200 a month on a, 15 year mortgage because we were using Jimmy's age. If you're a younger person on this call, by all means do 30 and just pay it off early. It gives you a little bit of cushion. And then we never used a single penny of any of those rental property monies. We still don't. They just either bought, bought more properties or paid off more properties. Uh, and then the other thing is um, we used to do all kinds of homes. We stopped buying real, real older ones just because we had a lot of repairs um, now those were, those homes are worth three times. So we should have kept them all, but, uh, we did top grade a little bit, but you know, usually three, two, twos or four, two, two brick in an appreciating neighborhood. Um, and it, the, the main thing you have to understand is it has to be a good day, good deal. The day we buy it, we're not buying on anything else having to happen to make it a good deal. And even if you bought a little bit high and your loan to value ratio was okay. Uh, we've bought in every market and been okay. And if you hold it long enough, we've never had a problem by holding anything long enough. It's only when we sold something too soon that we ever, you know, and that was only maybe one or two times. That may show up in one of your classes. Okay. Huh? And that may show up in one of your classes, you know, in that listing mastery class, I just want to say before you guys get off as interest rates are going up and we're watching them and Gary Keller's getting ready to talk to us about those today. I have a strange feeling, uh, 
listing technique is going to be more important now than ever. Yeah. We're getting ready to see that they're, you're, they're not, we're not going to live in a world where we don't have any listings. We're going to live in a world where we're competing to get them now. Yeah. So and you do, and you're going to be in a world where you have to talk to them a lot more regular. That's right. Than just that's signing, exactly. putting the sign in the yard. That's exactly right. Good point. Good point. All right. I'm making sure there's nothing else in the chat. I'm going to let Linda go so she can go to Gary Keller's mastermind. And if you all have any questions, let me know, Linda. Thank you so, so much. My pleasure. I appreciate it. I'll make sure you get the recording here in just a little bit. Okay. All right. My pleasure. Thank you, Terry. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Yes. Thanks, Linda. Thanks, Terry.